the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. I'm Jack Windsor. Honored to be here with you. Thank you for choosing us and tuning in. And uh, the phone lines are still open at 844-TALK-989. That's 844-825-5989. Maybe you want to talk about Oberlin. Maybe you want to talk about the second GOP presidential debate last night. Uh, I don't know. Whatever you want to talk about, give us a shout. Be glad to talk to you. Uh, What I want to talk to you about now is something that we hinted at yesterday uh, when I talked to State Senator Andrew Brenner. And we were discussing the effort uh, of the Ohio Senate GOP to push back against the media's left-wing bias by launching its own weekly podcast with state Senate President Matt Huffman. Now, according to Ohio Senate GOP Director of Communications, John Fortney, uh, who I've reached out to and we've been in communication and I expect to have him and or uh, Senate President Huffman on the show with me soon. Ohio's main newspapers, according to them, have an extreme left-wing bias, and their editorials attack Republicans in the General Assembly and read like Democratic Party press releases. In addition, Republicans claim it's increasingly difficult to get Ohio's main newspapers to publish editorials by Republican state senators representing their side of policy debates. What do you think about that? Do you agree with that? I don't know. Do you read the dispatch? Do you read the Cleveland Plain Dealer? Do you read USA Today? Now, the Cleveland Plain Dealer allegedly refused to publish State Senator Jerry Serino's editorial defending attacks on his Senate Bill 83. Now, you may remember Senate Bill 83. It's designed to restore free speech to Ohio's public universities by making sure that people who go against the woke agenda don't get penalized or punished or professors don't get promoted because of their political beliefs. It also makes uh, it a requirement for schools to sever ties with communist China. Uh, The Plain Dealer's editorial director allegedly said she could not publish Serino's response to their criticisms for, quote, fairness reasons. I'm sorry. In the fourth estate, isn't it our job to give consideration to all angles, be interested to understand the plain dealer's position on that. So um, Chris Quinn, if you're listening, I doubt you are, but if you're listening, give us a call. I'd love to understand your position. State Senator Teresa Gavarone then submitted an editorial on leftist extremism to the Columbus Dispatch, our hometown paper here. The paper's editor allegedly insisted that the Republican remove a reference to, quote, the party that thinks men can have babies, end quote. Gavarone declined to remove the line, so the editorial wasn't published. 
I take issue with that. If you're a Republican and you think men can have babies, please give me a call. Uh, but I hear it from the left. I actually hear it from the radical left that men can have babies and breastfeed and so on and so forth. Although where were the men stepping up when we had the breast milk shortage? I didn't see that. That would have been a great time for them to come out of the woodwork and, and prove that point. Uh, but I digress. Uh, according to Fortney, the media has been given so much power by cancel culture that they have attempted to control what ele- elected officials may or may not say. He said, we simply cannot allow the media to set the terms for what a free people may say. When editors begin applying woke fact checks to opinion pieces, they have jumped the shark. Like you, we are fed up, Fortney said. And that references to Fonzie, by the way. Do you remember Fonzie? Jeff, you're probably too young. Do you remember Fonzie jumping the shark? That was the end for the Fonzie. Hey! He was done after that. Um, we simply cannot allow the media to set the terms for what a free people may say. Interesting, because uh, in a bit we're going to talk about how the White House is the tail trying to get the dog, the media, uh, to wag in its favor. And seems largely they're succeeding through the senate gop podcast the public will receive the positions of the republican supermajority in the ohio state senate in all of their actuality and we'll talk about opinions remarks on public policy and legislative updates that ohioans won't see or hear in editorial pages or on the evening news now i would suggest john Fortney, if you're listening, and I say this as a friend, uh, as, as, as a colleague in the press, send me, send me your opinion pieces, uh, send me your podcasts. I will gladly publish them at the Ohio Press Network. But I agree, most major corporate-owned newspapers won't publish what you want them to publish. They probably won't publish your podcast. If, they smart, if they're smart, they would, because uh, I think their readership would go up. Today's newsrooms lack experience, lack staff, lack objectivity. You've heard the term advocacy journalism. Well, I'm here to tell you that the only thing newsrooms should be advocating for are the facts. That is what you will get right here on the President's Podcast, exclusive to our online newsroom called On the Record. The Views the News Excludes is what Fortney named it. Now, Huffman said that it's easy for these main newspapers to write opinion and editorial pieces because they don't have to check the facts. That's, by the way, the nature of an editorial piece is you don't have to check the facts. He said, I think there has always been bias in reporting. I mean, you can think about things that Thomas Jefferson and John Adams said about each other, usually anonymously in newspapers. That's true. And you know, In the 30s and 40s and the 50s, there were multiple newspapers, and each side had their newspaper, but those were the editorial parts. But then there there was plenty of reporting. It's easy to write about opinion and editorial and have that leak into news stories, frankly, because you don't have to check the facts. You can sort of decide, well, there is what I want to to say in the story and what I want it to be about. I'm going to find a couple of quotes to fit it, and I don't find quotes – that fit it if I'm going to write the same story anyway. So the Ohio Senate GOP press release detailed 
that its online newsroom and podcast will feature weekly content, columns and podcasts Ohioans won't read or hear anywhere else. Now, why is this important? Because, I don't know if you know this, but the Biden administration sent a memo to media on impeachment, and they did it uh, middle of September. They're urging news outlets to ramp up scrutiny on House Republicans. Now, I I hear you, Jack, the statehouse is different than Washington, D.C. I get it, but I'm here to tell you that if a Democrat president wants the press to be favorable to progressives and scrutinize Republicans, uh, those newsrooms are probably uh, inclined, if you will, to do the same thing at the state level. But the White House is urging news outlets to ramp up scrutiny of House Republicans' impeachment inquiry into President Biden. Uh, The memo is titled, It's Time for the Media to Do More to Scrutinize House Republicans' Demonstrably False Claims that They're Basing the Impeachment Stunt On. Now, that was sent by White House spokesman Ian Sams. And uh, let's take a look at that memo, by the way. It reads, after nearly nine months of investigating, House Republicans haven't been able to turn up any evidence of the president doing anything wrong. But House Republicans led by Marjorie Taylor Greene are nonetheless opening a baseless impeachment inquiry of President Biden, despite many House Republicans, Republicans openly admitting there's no evidence on which to support it. No, there's no evidence. It's just the fact that $10 million found its way into Hunter Biden's bank accounts from places like China and Ukraine when Joe Biden was supposed to be the ambassador of foreign policy to those countries as the vice president. And he let his son hitch a ride on Air Force Two and took him there. And oh, now we know that he was involved in 20 some phone calls, had dinners, had lunches, had phone conversations with Hunter Biden's business associates. But there's no evidence, press. There's no evidence. So we're going to we're going to make that the talking track. There's no evidence. Ah, folks. The world we live in today. Hey, uh, come back on the other side of this break and uh, we'll wrap for today. Time flies when you're having fun, Jeff. Jeff Murtal is there on the other side of the glass, keeping me on time and online. And in line, I'm sure, um, sometimes the discussions go off the rails, I got to be honest. Um, Speaking of off the rails couple of stories to report on. Ohio senators want East Palestine derailment declared public health emergency. Uh, U.S. Senators Sherrod Brown, he's the Democrat, and J.D. Vance, he's the Republican. Both Ohioans uh, want the U.S. Environmental Protection Agency to decide if the hazardous train derailment in East Palestine, Ohio, nearly eight months ago, qualifies as a public health emergency. They've joined in a letter to ask for the determination that could allow Ohioans impacted by the derailment and chemical exposure to receive Medicare coverage and have access to long-term medical care. The long-term environmental and public health impact of this exposure on residents remains unknown and may not become apparent for years to come, the two wrote in the letter to the EPA. No affected resident of East Palestine or its surrounding communities should have to worry about affording necessary health care now or in the future. I stand in agreement with the idea that uh, we may not know the impact of the burning off 
of the toxins that may have landed on multiple surfaces and that could show up on or in a person. It could have happened immediately, but also uh, how did it impact the groundwater and the soil? And uh, there's just so much there to consider. And it's not something that you're going to understand in a month or two months or eight months. And so making allowance for it makes sense. I think making the railroad pay for it makes the most sense. In other news, we talked briefly uh, yesterday, I believe it was, about the high school football coach in Ohio. This kind of goes under that banner of if you violate what we tell you is right, then we're going to cancel you. The coach uses the term Nazi. And I use, by the way, I use, I use that term um, very cautiously and carefully, and I want to qualify it on the air. Um, he uses the word Nazi, and he's used it for 20 years, not referring to anybody's ethnicity, not referring to Jewish people or Germans, but referring to people who are showing a formation known as a blitz. The Blitzkrieg was uh, performed by the Germans in war. And so his call, and by the way, if you've played football, you know that if you need to make a call, you need to make it usually like one syllable words, right? Nazi is how they use it, like pointing to somebody saying, hey, this guy's going to blitz. And that's a signal warning players to adjust and account for that blitz. Well, the football coach resigned Monday after a contest on Friday night. His team used what's being deemed a racist and anti-Semitic language or word to call out plays during a game last week. Now, my understanding of how he used it uh, came from conversations with a gentleman who interviewed the coach and also interviewed the superintendent of the school. Brooklyn High School coach Tim McFarland and his players repeatedly used the word Nazi in a game against Beechwood High School. Why is that a problem? Beechwood is a Cleveland suburb, and it is roughly 90% Jewish. According to the latest survey published in 2011 by the Jewish Federation of Cleveland, So here's my, I'm going to weigh in on this real quick. Could you be empathetic or sympathetic or understanding that that word might be derogatory and hurtful to the other team? Yes, I think you could. Could you stop doing it? Yes, I think you could. Should you have to quit? No, I don't think you should have to quit. Um, My understanding is the coach had received death threats. The coach had received uh, a mountain of communications from people in the Cleveland area, in the other school district, and just decided that, you know what, this isn't worth it. I don't want to put my kids and my wife through this rigmarole. I'm I'm simply going to resign. But that's not enough. My understanding is now there is a push to – fire all of the assistant coaches because they acquiesced with the use of that term to suspend the players that used the term. It's reported that the team stopped using the term in the second half of the game after Beachwood threatened to pull its players from the field, according to a statement from Beachwood schools, superintendent Robert Hardis. However, several players, Brooklyn players continue to direct the word 
at Beachwood players during the game. A statement reads. Now, whether that's true, I don't know. So McFarland handed in his notice of resignation Monday morning. Brooklyn Schools Superintendent Ted Calaris said in a statement that McFarland expresses his deepest regret and that he and the school apologize for the hurtful and harmful speech and that it will not be tolerated. To me, that's the end of the story. Although, should he have been given an allowance of grace? Now, sources also tell me that he resigned on his own accord and he would have been handed a two-game suspension. So, lesson learned, suspension could have been served, but instead, he's been canceled. So, is there a middle ground here? Could a better term have been used? Probably. Should he have been fired? I don't think so. Um, but it's the world we live in. And you may vehemently disagree with me. And I'm. And by the way, don't you dare call me an anti-Semite because I won't tolerate that. I'm just, I'm somebody who doesn't uh, appreciate um, the movement to cancel. I, I railed against uh, the use of guardians instead of Indians as someone who has a pretty good percentage of Native American blood in me. I tend to believe that uh, whitewashing, if you will, history is um, actually damaging to Native American heritage. And so I like the name Indians, and it was actually chosen to honor Louis Sokalexis, by the way, who was the first Native American to play in Major League Baseball. And it was chosen by sports writers back in the day, but now it is out of fashion. And sometimes words go out of fashion, and, and Nazi is a word that obviously has gone out of fashion. So maybe you change the, the, the play call. But interestingly enough, diving into this a little bit more, um, the Nazis were Germans. They weren't Jewish. So I think there's a little bit of a history lesson there too. And, and I'm sorry if you find that offensive. But um, do I know this coach's heart? Do I know his players' hearts? No, I don't. Do I think they were trying to be derogatory? According to my sources, he has used that same play call uh, for 20 years. And according to reports that I've read, the opposing team has said, well, they've done that in the past. And that kind of sums up the point that he's used it for a long time. And so um, now that it has hit the headlines and it blew up in social media, uh, they want to act on it. So another example of cancel culture in our culture Instead of having a good, honest dialogue, um, we, we bow the knee to people who threaten and bully and badger. And uh, I think there has to be a time where you stand up, even if you're wrong, and you say, you know what? I was wrong, but I deserve grace. I don't deserve to be canceled. I deserve to learn. I don't deserve to be canceled. Hey, uh, thanks for tuning in today. I hope you'll join me tomorrow. I'll be back filling in again for Bruce on 98.9 FM, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn. Flynn. 
deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. And I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.